This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast that's obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week it's a big kickoff. Can United kill off Kelly at Rugby Park? And will Dundee jab the Jags in their Dens Park opener? Hello and welcome to this week's Twa Teams One Street. <laughs> I, I thought I'd put a pause in there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. It's quite, there's a screen up there that says Twat Teams One Street. It totally distracted me. I, just, I thought you'd just forgotten what the name of the podcast was. No, there's, there's just, no one I'm just thinking we've gone very professional <laughs> until I tried to say Twat Teams One Street and then it all went to hell. There's, anyway, no, there's an ellipsis in the title now. <laughs> anyway, I'm Tom Duffy, or Tom Duffy. <laughs> And podcasting alongside me this week are Alan Temple. Hello, Tom. George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. Anyway, we've had enough frivolity already because it's the big league kickoff, the real start to the season. Never mind this League Cup stuff, although Dundee did do well and we'll get to that later. Um, Alan, in terms of the results, United could have won a game in pre-season it would have been nice but pre-season isn't the end of the world it's about being ready for Kilmarnock on Saturday yeah in an ideal world the goals are flowing you get a couple of wins and happy days there's you know there's a sense of momentum there's a sense of oh this team's really clicking going into the first game however it would be farcical to suggest a, a, a failure to do that suggests that it's going to be a failure of, of the season the pre-season is entirely about building fitness, building uh, a little bit of sharpness and getting your strategy across to the players, getting a sense of how they want to play and that might result in a couple of wins, it might not but fundamentally there needs to be progression you get a feeling that the team is getting fitter and more organised and gelling and I would That seems to be the, the, the vibe that I saw coming out uh, although they lost at Fleetwood last weekend in their final friendly the vibe seemed to be they were looking good and it looked like they knew what they were doing. 100%, Tom, 100%. was uh, down in Lancashire for that one and they were far, far better. I also covered the, the home match against Sunderland and although Jack was trying to say positive things about the Sunderland defeat, I thought it was night and day compared to the Fleetwood game and a couple of reasons for that, but I think the most potent one is just Stephen Fletcher being up front. I think it's impossible to overstate how important Stephen Fletcher is going to be to this Dundee United team. They need to keep him fit, keep him sharp, because as a focal point, he made everything tick around him. The ball came into him, it stuck. That then gives your wingers and your midfielders the belief, the confidence that they can push up without worrying about being caught in the counter-attack. He had a couple of shots that, to be honest, he snatched at. And he said after the game, listen, you know, this is my first proper outing really in pre-season aside from 25 minutes against Port Vale. So yeah, I wasn't sharp. I didn't finish and should have been better. But the fact he acknowledges that is good. You know, that'll come. It's, it's Stephen Fletcher. He knows where the goal is. So the the overall play that, that he helped to prompt was, was really positive, as was the fact that Mark Berigiti started between the sticks. That means he's not being thrown into it at Rugby Park without having stepped onto the pitch with his teammates. And the fact that Dylan Levitt showed uh, shook off a wee ankle injury to, to play a, a, a fair amount of that game was also key. So you actually saw the team through its spine 
start to take shape and the performance uh, reflected that and the other thing that's heartening from this pre-season and that game in particular was the performance of Matthew Cujo which I thought was really heartening he looks like he may just have played his way into contention for a start against Kilmarnock which would be a real interesting wild card and Bear Allen touched on it there very often at this time of year he, he described it as Sunderland to Fleetwood was night and day and that's often the way isn't mm-hmm. it and that's that's what you want. You want the progress, don't you? Yeah, and it's rapid, isn't it? And that, that's what they're going to need because you, you do step in very quickly into games that matter. And it matters on Saturday. Always at the start of the season, games are, are... Because it is the start of the season, the games are cagey. And I expect Saturdays will be no different. I'd be very surprised if any of it, other than games involving the old firm, which you never knew which way they're going to go. But... All the other teams, are, I'd be very surprised if, if there's more than a goal of difference between any of the sides because, you know, they're all finding their way and that's understandable. And even more so at Tandice where there has been a shift over the summer, there's been a change in manager. Um, he's now beginning to bring in a few of his own players, um, you know, over, over the past few weeks. Um, but the fact that Alan has seen a difference straight away isn't very encouraging for the fans. And I'm sure, um, you know, they'll travel in big numbers down to Rugby Park on Saturday with expectation they will take something from that game um, so yeah encouraging signs but I, I would temper that with caution that it is still very early time and you know they the are still they are still bonding there's, there's no doubt about that and talking of bonding bonding <laughs> I was trying to get a Bondi beat pun in there but it's not going to work <laughs> another, another, another Australian arrives just as we get rid of neighbours, they're all coming over here now. <laughs> yeah, as it seems to be a, a good one. Uh, Aziz Behic, who's uh, uh, coming over with a hell of a lot of pedigree. Um, as I often say, when, when I think we said the same about Martin Birigiti, but we'd be lying if we sat here and said, great signing, oh, I've you know, been following him for many years. It's, that would just be a lie. However, what you can judge him on is the, is the footage that's out there and the, the things that he's ticked off during his career and they're impressive. Played all three games for Australia at the 2018 World Cup, was an Asian Cup, you know, their version of the, the European Championships. Winner with uh, Australia in 2015 under Angie Postacoglu. I think we've seen that you need to be able to bring energy and bring quality yeah. if you're going to play in one of his teams. So there's obviously uh, quality there. And listen, you don't play more than 200 games in the uh, Turkish top flight and win a league over there unless you're a unless you're a fine player so if he's coming over here and he's fit and he's motivated and he's still got plenty in the tank there's also you know the prospect to the Mo- uh, World Cup that's motivating I was him I say he'll want to hit the ground running yeah absolutely and this is it's a player who PSV Eindhoven spent £4 million on um, I think that was probably what €4.5 million Euros was, was about at that time you know 2018 <laughs> but uh, probably all changed now yeah. but it's um, you know so he's clearly um, a player that's that's got quality and that quality has been recognised by uh, plenty of clubs across the the continent so it's it's an exciting one on first glance and I'm looking forward to seeing him on the pitch I'm looking forward to seeing how he's utilised he can play left back left wing back or left wing so that gives Jack some really interesting options and yeah let's wait and see I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings to the party and George is, is someone who when you moved up to Dundee from Eng- Eng- sorry Dumfries <laughs> It's England to me. What can I say? You you actually managed to find someone that work, works here that went to the same school as you in Dumfries. So it's good for him to have a, a fellow <laughs> countryman, isn't it? Although he's he's travelled around. So 
Don't, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that compare, uh, <laughs> compares. It says a lot about yeah, yeah. Tam that he thinks the difference between Dumfries and Dundee is similar to the difference between Australia and Scotland. It says a lot about Tam. Alan, you'll find out when you've been here a while the difference between Dundee and Invergowrie is <laughs> But as soon as you step outside Dundee, I mean, they've got electricity so and stuff like that. Is it not on the road side of Dumfries? Dumfries, you take the junction on the right and then Australia is just further south. Ah, you just, you just keep yeah. going, yeah. Well, I think you find yeah. Australia's left and Dumfries is right. <laughs> but well, the, the, to be semi-serious, the point is it's, not, no, it's yeah, never a bad right. thing to see a vaguely f- familiar face. Absolutely, absolutely not. And there's familiar faces all over the country now mm-hmm. teams are adding Australians left right and centre um, I think was I right in reading Mark Berigiti's good friends with one of the guys that's just arrived at Hearts yeah I think so, Berigiti's good friends with Kai Rolls who's, yeah. who's at Hearts and yeah I think, I think so, Graham Arnold might need to send over a charter before the World <laughs> Cup in November so, uh, so that's always good to have they all come over here to learn the language so they can speak to Martin Boyle in, in international <laughs> camps I think funnily enough just to uh, throw this one back over to George because he'll obviously know uh, Boyle's kind of influence and quality from his time at Dundee but I think uh, Boyle and Behich were actually roommates and are quite close friends so you can right, expect yeah. he's probably given the lowdown on, on life yeah. in Dundee yeah uh, yeah, and maybe nights out in Dundee, I would think, maybe, possibly. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I th- yeah, I think that it does help. Even with the cultural similar- similarities between Australia and Scotland, it's still different. I mean, the weather, for one, it's, it's going to be a lot different. Uh, I, well, last week it was hot, yeah. It's what hot in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, there's always going to be wee, wee differences, but it helps a lot knowing somebody. And, and knowing some dudes, the, the, well, Mark Berigiti's not really been around the national side, but they will know of each other. Uh, Similar ages, and yeah. So you would suspect that you. Uh, it just helps going back to youth level because yeah. they were both involved then. And new players coming in take a wee bit of time to settle. It that always happens, so that that can only help. And added to the guys that are Hibs and Hearts and and Ange Postecoglou at Celtic and just seeing familiar faces here and there I think will be all good I would think I'm interested to see how he, how he gets on because from what I've been reading he's, he's a speedy yeah. left back so it, it could be an interesting ad for, for United I would I, think I don't think there's any doubt that Dundee United needed pace and direct running in their mm. team that was badly lacking there was um it was a little one-paced at times through last season and having somebody that can drive forward with speed and a direct impetus is going to be um, a real benefit. I think the one thing that's also worth uh, mentioning while we're touching on these new signings um, that's really important is the focus on experience absolutely shines through of Dundee United's new signings. They're aged 21, 27, 31 and 35. Now that's a big shift from the youth focus which will still be key but I think there's been a recognition this summer that to kick on again that needs to be better balanced with real experience and a real ability to go to places like Celtic Park, Ibrox, European games and not be overawed so um, I think that's a a real um, something that's worth noting from from Jack Ross and and the recruitment department's uh, business this summer. I was just thinking there as you said that because even I'm assuming Dylan Levitt's a 21 year yes, old. Yes, yes, But that's about, that's a sign and it's about exceptional talent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting that you're always going to sign a player of that kind of talent if you've 
got the chance to whatever age he is. He's also he's a signing. Gone, yeah, he's also experienced with yeah, the rest. Eh? He's also a signing that was in the pipeline well yeah. before the end Aye. of last season. Mm-hmm. So if you're actually if you take it to just targets that have been identified and brought in from the point where Jack Ross has come into the building, you're then at 27, 31, 31, 35. So Jack's he wants depth and he wants experience. That much shines through. And Bear, you, you, from your own experience of a trialist of many senior clubs, if I can get that out, during your junior days, mm-hmm. one of the things I know, mm-hmm. like me, Paul Sturrock was a, used you a lot of times mm-hmm. at St Johnson, uh, and the fact you were experienced was a big thing. Obviously, the fact you were a decent goalie as well, but <laughs> uh, I mean, one of your junior counterparts, a wee bit older, Mick McManus, used to play a lot for United, and Jim McLean used him in his reserves because he was experienced. And experience is a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's much easier for the manager. He, he knows what he, he's getting. He, he knows that, I mean, as, as I say, you're, you're going to play brilliantly every game, yeah. but any trellis, you know, may not play brilliantly, but with a bit of experience, you can get through the game, Tom, without having a, a real, real nightmares, uh-huh. if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's, I'm interested to see the way he's going, Alan, you know, and uh, my big concern is that a lot of the, the, the kids made good progress last yeah. season. Now, if he's going to bring experience in, mm. is their progress going to stall? There's still going to be room. Uh, you know, what's the sort of mood going to be in the camp for these guys who thought the door was open for them and now they might find it closed? Um, I'm sure that, that Jack Ross won't allow that to happen. I'm sure he's spoken to them all at length and saying, look, if you're good enough and you're doing the business for me, you will be in the team, regardless of what age you are. But there must be there must be sort of looking at it and, and having a look at these guys coming in and going, hey, you know, are we still going to get the same opportunities we did under Tam Court? So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, the lineup is going forward over the first half a dozen games or so, um, but Jack Ross has got a job to, he knows, you know, ultimately it's his neck that's on the line of Dundee United, don't yep. get results. Yeah. So he's got, to, he's got to trust in what he thinks is the right way to go and, you know, regardless of whether there's a good youth policy there or not and there's, there's the young, young guys are coming through, he's going to play players that are going to win games for him, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about. And, I mean, Alan... You saw more of United last season than any of the rest of us. Is it, is it fair to say that in what was a very good season, an area that, we, that you would identify where they needed to improve, they didn't win many games when they didn't play well? And that's always a sign of an inexperienced team, isn't it? Yeah, they, by the same token, they didn't lose many yeah, games in which aye. they didn't play well over experience the, at the back over the, yeah. Charlie Mulgrew over the, course of the, over the course of the campaign you know the, there was a lot of draws there and quite often they were quite attritional stodgy draws so um, that to, to your point could have been more costly in a better it does, league I mean I admit it's such a dreadfully negative thing to say well you're not playing well but, but successful teams win when they don't play well but that does Come with no, certainly you look at it on the on the face of it and a team with, for example, a Stephen Fletcher leading the line, you would yeah. back to grind out a couple more tight three points than they managed last season. And, you know, those draws that they got last season ended up being good draws, but in a better league, they could have been poor draws. So, yeah, absolutely, you would expect. And what Jack Ross intends is these experienced signings will make the team not only a better team, but a more streetwise team, you know, and just knowing when to 
approach games and in, in, in certain manners when to when to go long, when to play the nice stuff, when momentum is in your favour or when you just need to see it out. You know, these are things that are impossible to teach and it, the more players you have on the pitch that that realise these things and can see out games, the, the better. And for those young players who are good enough to make the starting eleven, and if they are good enough, they still will make the starting eleven, or they will get on the be- uh, they will get on off the bench. Then uh, they will learn a lot from playing in the, in the same team, as well as the fact that just training alongside these guys is brilliant. If you talk to a, a Matthew Cujo or a Rory McLeod or a Miller Thompson, I can imagine they are already absolutely loving life playing alongside someone like Stephen Fletcher with his keenness to have a chat with them and, and bring them on. And yeah, I, I'm I'm quite an advocate as long as you don't. As long as you're not packing your squad out of, you know, with players that aren't necessarily good enough, I'm I'm an advocate for having a, a you know a good few senior quality boys there to not only win games but bring others along. And even before we see any action on Saturday, the Tangerine Army will be glued to their phones, internet, whatever in the next few hours because they'll find out who they're playing in the. In Europe, I'm not going to say what the competition is because every time I do, I get the wrong one. <laughs> it's going to be a big night as we speak. It's Thursday. It's a big night for um, pirate football websites because it doesn't appear to be any way to actually watch the game uh, yeah. between Tuzlan, uh, Azed Alkmaar. And I think when we were on this last week, I was going to speak as if Alkmaar were, were shoo-ins to go through. I, and, um, I took it for granted myself when I saw the two teams. I, I think a lot of United fans who've booked their flights to Amsterdam <laughs> took it for granted, to be honest, Tom. But it's... Um, yeah, I, I still think Azed Alkmaar will go through, but I certainly wouldn't be putting money on it. Um, I thought they were actually quite ordinary um, against Tuzla and if Tuzla had maybe believed in themselves a little bit more and had showed better finishing, they could have scored at the, uh, the AFA stadium. So Were they really dominant, AZ? I'm just looking at the stats. Absolutely stuff. dominated yeah. territorially and had a couple of decent chances, but it was one of those where they were you know, a wee bit wasteful and defensively quite shaky. You know, yeah. There was a couple of real, real openings for, for Tuzla and I think it'll be fascinating to, I mean, we're discussing a game that'll probably have happened by the time people listen to this, so I'm cognizant of that. But, I, you know, if I can find a way to watch it, I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like in, in Sarajevo. Legally. <laughs> of course, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the, you know, the atmosphere is like in Sarajevo and whether that's be a factor and whether, mm. you know, they might have a real go because... Um, you know, teams from that part of the world are such an unknown factor, and I think there's could, always quality in there. As absolutely, well. and you could see that from the first leg. I mean, there was some. I, was say, I think we know that already, given, uh, given the tightness of the first, there first was, leg. Was mm-hmm. Alk, there was Alk a, a decent outfit. Yeah, there was a moment where their big centre half did a Cruyff turn and took out in his own box and took out two Alkmaar <laughs> attackers, and you're going. You know he's a good player, but I can't see Ryan Edwards doing that. You know, it's just so like these guys have real quality in their ranks, and yeah, looking forward to looking forward to watching the game. And yeah, it will just once we do have that result, which a lot of listeners will probably have by now, um, excitement will really build for next week. And if Dundee United can get a wee result at Kilmarnock, then it will just momentum, momentum builds. And the, I think United deserve credit. I should point out just while it comes into my head for the pricing. Pricing's really good for the home leg at Tanadice. Um, I think it's. Uh, twenty-two pounds for the lower, um, twenty-four pounds for the for the upper, which is cheaper than a championship match on Saturday. Yeah. Exactly, oh, exactly. <laughs> so if so, you know, uh, in terms of what Dundee United could have done to get 
that for place you know bouncing for the first leg uh, on August the fourth, they couldn't have done any more. So if we can build a bit of momentum, then it could be a really really exciting week ahead for United fans. Actually, there was a way, a way to say to link to the next topic. It was great for season ticket holders, but I assume they have to buy tickets like everyone else. They've shown my age here. I mean, remember when, Bear, remember yeah. when a season ticket got you into reserve covered, games? Covered everything, Every yeah. single game. But, but, I mean, I would think pretty much every one of the 5,700 season ticket holders they've got for this season, a record no less, that can go will go next week even though they've got to fork out a wee bit more cash. I would think so. I would think I would, I would expect Tandis to be just about a full house, you know, yeah. <laughs> on uh, next midweek. Um, the excitement will be building and yeah and, and, and I've got a night out in Pitlochry. It's uh, no offence to Pitlochry. <laughs> I mean uh, it's good for United that they're back in Europe but financially it's fantastic. Yeah. You know mm. and you know there is money to be generated from progressing in the competition but let's not kid ourselves on you know 10 11,000 next week is, yeah. is a nice wee you know bank nice balance boost yeah and if it if it is AZ that they're playing we're talking about being a short distance for United to travel across to to Holland it's uh, obviously been, the same distance coming back mm. it's obviously the same distance coming back so I'm sure they'll have plenty of away fans as well actually if I remember I went to Alkmaar and I don't don't think it's too far from Amsterdam. It's not. It's 30 minutes on the train, he, he says, having planned his journey. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great that pre-season that United stayed near the German border. <laughs> it was the journey that was never going to end. And I, I remember Dutch clubs also have this habit, the train, their equivalent of junior clubs. So what they tend to do is give them a pre-season friendly at their ground mm. and let them make the money out, the oh, admission right, okay. stuff like that. Yeah. So it wasn't just to Alkmaar, it was another 25 minutes <laughs> north in a taxi. And uh, there was a there was cries to the taxi driver coming back, could you go a bit quicker, please? We've got a train to catch. <laughs> and he was like, for sure, man. <laughs> and then he didn't. He just totally ignored us. But uh, it would be a good trip. So it's the main thing, Alan, they're back, they're back in Europe for the first time in a decade. That's all. You don't really care how far you're going. No, I think the United fans would prefer uh, Holland, clearly, but they're not going to weep tears if it's Sarajevo, for those that can afford to, and it's not an easy trip to make logistically. I've been you know, looking at that one as well, and uh, you know, that will be a, a much harder journey for the fans to make, for, but for those who in tough times do have the, the resources and the ability to make that journey, it will just be as special, and probably once you're there, be an unbelievable mm -hmm. you know, city to, to visit. So the, the, these are all just logistics. The main thing is Dundee United are back in Europe. However, once the ball comes out and once the game starts, it's about making sure they do themselves justice. It's all fine and well. Um, the fans lapping up the occasion and also, the, as Bear rightly points out, the, the monetary bonuses. But you also don't want to leave the pitch thinking, well, we left a wee bit out there. You know, you want to... You, you spent the whole of last season fighting to get to this stage. So, you know, give it, give it a real go and leave everything out there in terms of as difficult as it might be, you know, given a, one of these, if it's Azed Alkmaar, particularly given a big gun, a, a real bloody nose. Now, before we round off the United section this week, I said a few times over last season, I thought Tam Court's got a bit of undeserved criticism from fans and you couldn't really ask for a rookie manager to have a better season. But guys, he's been compared to Alec Ferguson. Is that a quantum leap in the other direction? 
Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how close his relationship is. We've got pal Chris Doherty down here, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you know, has he done Tom Courts any favours by comparing him to, to mm. Sir Alex? Uh, I, I saw that story this week, and well, personally, I do think Sir Tom has a ring about yeah. it. Bias. <laughs> where Tom Courts has come from uh, in sort of you know junior football and seniors with Kelly to Dundee United, and you know, and now. You know, Honved, you know, he has been taking giant strides, but let's let's not get too carried away here. You know, he's still in the infancy in terms of his managerial career, and and, and hopefully he can go into much better things. And he has that in his locker. He has an opportunity to go and prove now, which many managers never, ever get the opportunity to do, go and manage on the continent, which is diff it's difficult enough going, you know, moving up in sticks and, you know, the culture and everything that goes with that, but actually to, to produce a good football team and get a name for himself over there, um, but I don't think his pals done any favours, Chris, by uh, comparing him to Sir Alex yet. The direct comparison with with Sir Alex obviously was in terms of the, you know, the his man management ability yeah. and his willingness to you know get good people into the building and uh, and delegate and, but even by the same token, it still is. It was you know it was very precise and deliberate, but exceptionally lofty. Uh, praise, even if you are just yeah, talking about that one. Me, you could say he's a very good man manager. You don't because <laughs> Sir Alex was. It was, it was good for the sub editor to get a headline yes. on top of the story. That's certain. <laughs> so that, but that's yeah. As you rightly say, the, the comparison with Sir Alex, even if it is in that one facet, is still so big because that's one of the things that Sir Alex is probably most famed for. Mm -hmm. His man management is seen as arguably the greatest that has that football has ever seen. So. It's still even just within that facet is a is a huge a huge compliment and you know perhaps a, a little bit of pressure but clearly Chris Dockett as the sporting director that's taken Tam to to Hungary clearly thinks he is a, a special manager and is somebody that can go on to to do great things and it's worth noting that you know I know there's a lot of Dundee United fans and we see them in the responses um, on on Twitter and things you know that think Tam Courts is gone now who cares about him but I think there'll also be a hefty, sizable, albeit quieter portion of Dundee United fans, and we can see that in like data and things that are really interested in what Tam Courts is doing and will be as this season goes on. So it's worth noting that you know their season starts this Saturday as well, and I think it'd be fascinating to see how they got on, not just in terms of of Tam as a head coach over there, but also you know Chris Dockett being a Scottish sporting director, you know that's steering that ship, who's also come through at Dundee United and. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see what these two ex-United ex guys do in uh, in Hungary. Do you think Tam Courts has, has got the same sort of hairdryer treatment that Sir Alex is famous for? And the few times that I met him, it never struck me as a, quite the same fierceness. It's, it's my understanding that Tam could give a blast in the dressing yeah, room. Right, okay, Absolutely. fair enough. Yeah. I would say, I mean, obviously... Teacups, having having pieces, having no. managed at Kelly Hearts, Absolutely. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. sure. Pretty I know, sure he knows when to. But there's yeah. there's where men are men. There's shouting and there's Fergie yeah. shouting. Yeah. I think. So I'm not sure he quite got to the, the Fergie levels of shouting. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's probably something that comes with comes with age. Uh, yeah. I'm just wondering if they're two 0 down after 20 minutes in the first game. Well, we'll find out the Hungarian for. When you said Fergie, we, th we thought you meant Sir Alex, no, the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. Right, George. Having challenged uh, Alan about United's lack of results in their pre-season, 
League Cup. If you win all your League Cup games and uh, and draw a pre-season game, that shows you're the team that's going to win the championship. <laughs> well, Which I believe you've already. You're, you're letting the Evening Telegraph readers know that today. It's I've, all over. I've yeah. seen the headline. I've yeah. seen the headline, George. I've cut it out. <laughs> the headline writer did not did not do me any favours. Oh, and attention switches yeah. across the studio to the headline writer. Was <laughs> that right. your headline? Bear conveniently was off yesterday. So. Oh. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> for context, yeah. bear, uh, the headline would have been Dundee might do okay. Yeah. For, for context, <laughs> listeners, the, the, the headline was this is why Dundee will win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's not it's not done me any favours whatsoever, I think. I've uh, already unless... reminded George that I once had to eat a column because I made some kind of rash prediction. Well, I think it's a fair prediction at the moment that Dundee are the favourites for yeah. a reason. Um, I'm, I'm fully intending if they don't win the, or fully expecting if they don't win the league, people to have taken pictures of that headline and <laughs> send it to me later All in the right. season. Well, the reason I raise this, George, is it's going so well at Dens. I can't think of anything to ask you. Well, it's going. I'm not it's used going. To this <laughs> no, it's good. Well, if we go back a year. Though they did head into the Premiership season with four wins from four in the in the Premier Sports Cup, and it didn't quite go to plan. Feels a bit different this time. Uh, last season they did have a a walkover against Ross County because because of, of COVID, but it's been very positive on the park. Certainly, there's been a wee negatives off the park in terms of tickets and stuff. Um, but Dundee are playing really well, scoring lots of goals. Alex Hukubak's firing them in. Lila Cameron's coming off the bench, firing them in. Even Cami Kerr is firing in goals. It's just a hero, isn't he? He's <laughs> been, been, he's been excellent, actually. Everybody's come on board with, with the new manager, Gary Bowyer, and his plans for, for the way he wants his team to play. Everyone's happy with the new training ground. Considering how unhappy everybody was at the end of last season, it's been a remarkable turnaround. So, But, the big test is Saturday. Partick Thistle's a, a big one, I think. Yeah, well, two things for Bear, who'll be sitting ready to moan <laughs> at about five past three, because he's always has that last pint. That um, it shows if if things are going well on the park, so many other things at a club are just instantly forgotten, and never likely to be too positive. It's a it's Banana skin, potentially, Partick, Ian McCall on Saturday, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a banana skin, if you ever want to call it a banana skin, but it's, it's basically just a tough championship opener. Uh-huh. And Dundee are in the championship because they were the poorest team in the Premier League last season. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, well, they've done remarkably, well, not remarkably, they've done well in, in the League Cup. And I think George touched on it. The biggest thing that you could say for Gary Boyd, he's managed to put a smile back on everyone's yeah. face at Dench Park. And that's no mean feat. Were, the, were you in the stands in, in time to see him come out early and applaud the fans this week? No, not no. <laughs> no. I've, I've got That was one of the no, things no. I was going to say. I, yeah. it's, it's funny because I had to. While Bear's finishing his pint, I used to be sort of typing, <laughs> typing my early intro for the Sporting Post. But so you never really noticed the manager coming out. But he, people like the fact that he makes a point acknowledging supporters. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, and I think that comes with experience as well. Um, you'll understand that he has to get them on board and get them on board quickly. He rightly mm-hmm. always points out that they're only just in the door four or five weeks or so. So let's 
let's be realistic here on where the club is at under his you know control at this point in time in terms of the team. But yeah, everybody's everybody has a smile on their face. But the, the real bar comes out this week, George. Patrick Fisher come to Dens. You're talking about. I've got. I've got to say, if there's an early goal at Dens, sometimes it's Jeff Sterling that tells me that there's an early goal at Dens. Part <laughs> when I'm getting in the uh, Yeah, I think you you have to be realistic and say suggest that Patrick will be will be one of the challengers this season. Have a very good, I think so. a shrewd manager and Ian McCall and anybody who thinks Dundee are going to rock up on Saturday. Mm. I mean, it would be lovely to think that they could go in there and score three goals in the first half again. And, you know, it would be just like the League Cup section where they were able to bring three guys on at half-time and change the team. The likelihood is, you know, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a very, very cagey game. And we'll get an idea, not just in this game, but I think over the next course of the next month or so, where Dundee are actually at. And it's good for Gary Boyer as well, because, well, he knows that there are certain areas of the park that he needs to strengthen. Um, he might find out one or two other things about, about his squad, uh, you know, and just maybe what, what else he needs to get Dundee out of that championship this season. But they are in a, a, a very good place going into the, the season. Uh, I would suggest that the team that began against Forfar on Saturday looks as what it may well be. Yeah, it was the same team from Queen's Park. Yeah, so may well be the start, it, yeah. starting 11 this week. Where things are going to change, obviously, unless they do but manage to batter in quite a few goals in the first half, is that there won't be multiple changes throughout the game. Hmm. He now realises this team has got to go in the park and win games. And, and I think... The changes won't be just to give boys boys a run. It will be because either something is going uh, wrong, or as is more likely the case, somebody's getting a bit tired and they're going to have to change things. Or he tactically wants to change things as well. So it changes in that respect for Dundee. But what that, what they have to do this season is, you know, we always talk about Dens Park being a fortress, and too often in the past we've seen teams coming to Dens. And, and they just love coming to Dens Park mm. and, and playing on, on the pitch. And it's, 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 although the stadium, you know, is getting a bit looking past its sell by it's still a decent stadium to play football football at, you know, at championship level. Um, and some clubs tend to come and, and, and really enjoy that fact. And the fact they're playing at Dundee, who are, as we've already put in the paper, why Dundee are going to win the championship this season, you know, they will see Dundee it's as going to come back as, haunt me, well. We'll see Dundee as, as a major a major scalp. Yeah, but what they've got to go and do now is assert themselves. You know, they have got good players. They've started really well. If they can keep that momentum going, then you know, get a few points on the board. But I, I would say to Dundee fans, don't kid yourself on. Mm. They're not going to win multiple game after game. I'd be very surprised if that was their case. There will be a few setbacks, and that and uh, you know that will tell Gary Boyer what he needs to do to ultimately get over the finishing line ahead of the other, other nine teams in that league. And that's that, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. So I'm looking forward to it, very much so. But, I mean, Alan, I'll bring you in here, because you've spent most of your life in the... Nah, well, you've been in the five teams, so you know the lower leagues a, a bit, I suppose. It's, you want to get the fans on side, because if you win your home, home games, it takes the pressure off away, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Very often a point away is not a bad result. Absolutely, and I think, although we're having a, a bit of fun about George's headline, it does belie a, an interesting point, which is there will be an, a hell of a lot of sort of, you know, headline pinning up on dressing walls in terms of the fact that everybody assumes this is Dundee's league, and Partick Thistle will be one of those teams that's probably thinking to themselves, is that right? You know, and use that to aid their siege mentality, and this will be the first test of that for, for Dundee having a team that I think this will 
fancy this as an opener. You know, it's a chance to perhaps get Dundee before they build momentum. It's a chance to go away from home with no expectations and potentially silence the crowd. So I think, as you say, I think that will be a a, a real test. And yeah, if they can get off to a flyer at home, that's a real benefit. But I think there's also a pressure that comes from playing at home. And I think that's a pressure that Thistle will look to take advantage of and it's also a pressure that will underpin the entirety of this campaign because I think everybody, every prediction that I've seen is says Dundee are going to win the league mm. and Inverness, Partick Thistle, Wraith Rovers, maybe a couple of others will be using that as fuel. Don't kid yourself. I mean, the literal pinning up of things in dressing room walls might... Be a, a, a thing of the past everywhere except from Gayfield. However, it's. Um, <laughs> I think the manager shows up on his phone these days. <laughs> I think I think that I think that Campbell does still like a cutting on the wall. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I've, I've heard, but um, yeah, there there will be every club will will be trying to foster that sense of to give themselves an extra edge. That sense of well, Dundee are just assuming they're going to win the league. No, I'm not accusing Dundee yeah. of of saying that, but just George. <laughs> that will be that will be the message that the other clubs are trying to get across, and this weekend will be the first test of that. Can uh, Dundee handle the pressure against a team that are going to be one of their rivals and are going to come and say there's no pressure on us, whereas there's a lot of pressure on you? George, you've been around Dens long enough, and Bairn and I have hung around like a bad smell for decades now. Is it maybe, as Alan says, it's pressure, but is it? maybe not a bad thing because the players need to embrace that because if they're not hearing it from other teams that, oh, you think you're going to win the league, if they're not seeing it in mm. a headline in a paper, if they go 1-0 one down, one down in a game at Dens Park in the Championship, they hear it from the fans right away. Well, the fans, are, they're, they're, There's no point hiding it from the players because the fans expect Dundee to get promoted. Mm -hmm. I've always expected Dundee to get promoted uh, when they were in the championship, just as the few seasons that United have been down there, that's just a fact of life. And then they'll certainly hear it if things don't go so well on Saturday because the, all the stands are open for the first time this season. There'll be, I think, they've sold around about almost three thousand season tickets, so the, the crowd will certainly be double what it's been in the Premier Sports or around you that. You would expect Barrick to bring a few as well, George. Yeah, uh, providing they've got over their. Uh, <laughs> early anger at the start of this week um, and we all know that Ian McCall certainly likes to upset the opposition and I think he'd quite like to upset the fans at Dens Park um, yes yeah he's, he's got that just, about him yeah I think um, you'll, you'll very much be coming here to up, to get under Dundee's skin I think and it, they've signed good players I think this they're, and they Danny Mullen you know, I think Danny Mullen's a good player I think uh, Dundee fans weren't so complimentary when they saw he'd signed for Partick um, to me I, I felt he would get picked up by a premiership club maybe not as a first choice but certainly as a squad player I, th I thought he did enough for Dundee last season but Partick have, have come in from it. I think they've made a good sign in there. It'd be interesting on Saturday because Dundee will have Alex Yugubiak up front who was at Partick <laughs> last season. They'll have Zach Rodden come on off the bench probably who was at Partick last season and now Partick will have Danny Mullen up front who, had, who was at Dundee last season. They're just swapping strikers over. 
It's funny as well, the, maybe not the, the rutting aspect of it, but in terms of swapping Mullen and Yakubiak, both, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but both clubs, supporters will probably feel pretty content with that as well. Like probably. I think Dundee fans are quite excited to have a fully fit Yakubiak back and scoring goals. And I think Thistle fans are pretty excited to have Danny Mullen in the building. So it's a strange situation where not only have the clubs swapped strikers, <laughs> yeah. but they both seem to be perfectly happy with that swap. I think so, and Yakubiak. I've been waiting for Yakubiak to to come to life really at Dent Park. So I always felt there was a really good player in there. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, his injury situation has, has been horrendous since he's been at Dent's, and then but he had that loan spell, which I think has sorted him out at the Partick last season. And he's come back, and he, he's also said the new training grounds really helped him because he can he can just go to the gym, he can go to the swimming pool, uh, things like that, and, and that's helped kind of injury prevention that he called it and, and get him get himself sorry for the season he looks really fit he looks really strong his first goal against Forfar it's against the League 2 side but he absolutely bodied the defender just threw him off the ball step over cut inside and smashed it in the top corner it was a real quality goal full of confidence he has to go and do it in the, in the league now though yeah I, an interesting one Bear, just on the sort of the older boy element there if the teams are how we expect them to be, Danny Mullen will start for Partick. Alex Dubiak will start for Dundee. It's the most sort of interesting one and maybe the one that will be most affected by it. Zach Rudden, if he starts on the bench, as we think he will. Because if you go back as recently as, as Christmas when he joined Dundee, the other two were battling for places in starting lineups mm -hmm. at, the, at the clubs he was the one that was who's going to sign him tipped it, 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 mm. mentally a wee challenge for him eh yeah it is um, hopefully you can overcome that and hopefully he can get on the park because I do believe he's got goals in him Tam and Zach Rudden um, but he, uh, the way things have gone in pre-season he's going to have to, to bide his time um, as far as Danny Mullen goes I, I was a bit disappointed that Danny left I, I was with George I thought he, he did a good job but there was a contract on the table Let's, let's be clear, we don't know what was in that contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, th I think it was... Well, there's been talk of possibly that he wanted to go back west, but yeah. I think the, the things that were going on behind the scenes at Dundee yeah, and so well. the unhappiness, I think he just wanted out. Yeah, I could, and, a, and a player can be like that. And but and I was, again, I'm with you and George, I thought he could have done a job. Uh, he showed, you know, when he came back in, he got himself fit. He has had injury problems, uh -huh. but when he was fit... He could do a job, I think, in, in in the top flight. He's not a prolific goal scorer, but what you get is you get a hard-working striker who could create things for other players as well. You know, and he puts himself about for a, mm -hmm. for a, a smaller type guy. So, disappointing, but life moves on. Life moves on. And, you know, one thing Danny Mullen will have in his favour, I think, this weekend, you'll have Brian Graham up top as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a different it's a different aspect. You know, Dundee... Dundee Defence will have to look after a, a bigger type striker as well as Danny moving off, whereas Jakubiak will be leading the line effectively on his own. I would imagine, but with, with uh, McGowan in and around him, and possibly McGinn coming in as well. And it's worked to this point in time, but I still do feel that's an area of Dundee you have to look to strengthen. Um, elsewhere on the park, you're looking at you know again last week we took off Jordan Marshall and pushed Cami Kerr over mm. the left back, so that's yeah. a startling admission. They need cover at left back. You're not wanting to be taking your right. But I know Kami Kerr can do a, a decent enough job over there, but you need cover on that left. It's been a problem for a yeah, while. It has. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that's an area. But they're going into the game. I'm really looking forward to it, Tom, because, I mean, 
no disrespect to James McPake and, and they got himself out of that championship, but it was a grind. Yeah. Dundee looked to me as though they're going to be quite an exciting team this season. They're going to create a lot of mm. chances. They've got a lot of young players who want to get forward. Who are look mobile. Over you know, in the Premier League, Dundee looks sluggish, um, and, and that was that was basically around the midfield that was you know of a certain age. Now they've, they've brought in youngsters to complement that. They'll, you know, Boyers addressed that. And, in, and we're seeing a bit, a lot more movement in and about the team and, and, and forward movement as well. Mm. We saw a couple of weeks ago, Finn Robertson was in the team down at Strand Rar. First half, you know, he, he didn't really do what Boyer was looking for. And Boyer got him aside at halftime and said, look, sir, I know what you can do. I don't want you passing the ball side to side. I want you moving it forward. And what a difference in the second half. And, yeah. I, and the whole team benefited from that. So I'm hoping to see Dundee on the front foot this season. And if they're on the front foot, then there will be chances for guys like, uh, you know, Zach Rudden when he gets onto the pitch and we can see you'll get an opportunity to score goals. If he's fluffing his lines in, then you, you'll know what stick is from the from, <laughs> from the Same with Jakubia, you know, there are opportunities. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm expecting a cracking game. To bring you in again, Alan, returning to the Danny, Mil- Mil- the Danny, the Danny Mullen situation, see, gone and forgotten in my vocabulary. Um is it about being wanted? Maybe. I mean, you look at that. You look at Danny Mullen. He ended up the season as Dundee's first choice striker, but it was he had to battle for at least half a season to get that position, and it was clear throughout that uh, James McPake preferred other options. He brought in Lee Griffiths, Chilean Sheridan. And it was just difficult for Danny Mullen. And he's maybe actually at a time when he could have been the number one striker, he'd maybe, he'd maybe just had enough. It's funny players, what goes into their head, isn't it? I think there's quite clearly a lot of factors in terms of why Danny would have decided to, to move on. I don't blame James McPake to, no, no. For, for looking for if Again, with the benefit of hindsight, we can all say that Lee Griffiths was a bad signing, but when it was actually happening, I don't think there was many people complaining no. about Lee Griffiths as an upgrade for Danny Mullen. It's it's Lee that let down Dundee yeah. rather than uh, rather than that being necessarily a, a bad decision by James McPake. So it's in terms of you know feeling wanted. I mean, I'm sure Dundee did want Danny Mullen, as George has rightly said. There was a contract on the table, but sometimes it's just time to move on you know Danny been at Dundee for you know a wee while and um, you know perhaps he was conscious that he wasn't always the Dundee supporters favourite striker you know not always a, a first pick and yeah and also the fact that he perhaps wants wants to be back closer to what he considers as you know his home in the west so I think a move to Partick Thistle is suitable but I would echo what's pretty much a, a universal consensus in this room. It, it seems I, I, I like Danny Mullen as well. I think in a, he has something to contribute to a good squad. Um, I think players like him, selfless runners, um, people that can have a certain chaos factor up front and also get you between 8 and 12 goals a season. Mm. I think there's a place for that in, in good squads. Um, and I think... He perhaps suffered from this assumption that if you've got number nine on your back, you should be scoring 20 goals a season. And that's never yeah. been the type of player Danny Danny Mullen is. But if you look at his career through St Mirren, through Livingston, and then to Dundee, he's played his part in some good teams and has, uh, has been a, a competent striker. So I think his 
limitations have been massively overstated why, in the last did, year or so. Sorry, why do we think he hasn't got a Premier League team? I mean, I just, I just, yeah. I don't know. I'm very surprised that someone, and no disrespect, I'm not saying, but someone in the bottom six that Danny Mullen couldn't do a job for them. It's very, you know, it surprises me greatly. I think it might have surprised Danny Mullen yeah. as well. Obviously, it was only last week that he signed uh-huh. for Partick, so I think maybe he's. The, the offer that he expected hasn't materialised or yeah. something's happened or whatever I don't know maybe, maybe yeah. in fact he's, he has had a few offers but he's thought he could get better and they've just you know I, I, yeah Partick have a wee bit of money behind him I as was well. going to say I was going to say there's a lot of very strained budgets in the Premiership at the moment mm-hmm. and it really wouldn't surprise me if Partick Thistle were able to table an offer that would be competitive with any team in the mm-hmm. bottom half of the Scottish Premiership and then he would be in a position where he's factoring in well, what's my travel expenses? What's this? What's my convenience? And Partick probably ticks a lot of those boxes. I mean, it's he had, a one-year deal as well. Yeah. so he can look again next summer if he yeah. does well. He, he had the prestige of, if you want to call it that, of playing in the Premiership last season. And mm. you know, maybe he said, you know what? See if it's just for the ego of being a top-flight player. I think I would forgo that for the you know a decent salary and um, knowing I'll be a key player for for Partick Thistle. So I, yeah, I. I Again, without knowing exactly what was tabled to Danny, we can't say, but uh, knowing some of the constraints that are with clubs in, in Scottish football in the top flight at the moment, it doesn't overly surprise me that he's maybe been able to get a similar package at Partick Thistle. I feel for him a wee bit too, because he is, in a way, he's a victim of a hype that wasn't a his doing, because there was talk of United and other Premier League teams maybe a move down to England, but he he never said anything. No. He, he didn't say any of that. And because and, no. uh, there was, the, when it was announced by Thistle that he'd signed, immediately there were Dundee fans going, ha ha, I thought you were going to Tannin, yeah. I thought you were going mm. here. And none of that was of no, and I've got to say, his doing. I've got to say that every time you, you went on the park, you, you never got the feeling that Danny wasn't given 100%. Nah. He always, always did it. He, not saying he played brilliantly every game, no player does, but he always gave his best, you know. And so it was surprising that, you know, that offer. He, he certainly never got a, a club in the Premier League, but like Alan's alluded to, it, it may be the fact that you know this, this suits him. Mm. It's good to have a good in, a working environment. We sometimes forget that with footballers, you know, <laughs> we think you should take the best offer and you know the yeah. biggest possible yeah. club. But if you're happy and doing what you're doing, he's back through in the West Coast, you know, he's with his family, mm. and he's if he's happy doing what he's doing, then good luck to the lad. And all this, the, the, the Danny Mullen element, the Jakubiak, the, the Rudden, and also the fact that Thistle will bring a few fans through in a decent team, it maybe eases the pain of the, the first the first league game of the next season, reminding you that you were relegated last year, because it's a, it's a decent fixture. Yes, and it does feel like it's a fresh start for Dundee as well, particularly with a new manager coming in. He's been very positive in everything he said. It feels like the, the fans very much taken to him players have all taken to him that might change if he loses on Saturday and he loses next week and he loses the week after but um, I'm not expecting like that in the derby. <laughs> <laughs> some of us have got long memories albeit selective ones George are we still right, I was talking about the manager there uh, are, you t- are you talking I'm about still, Danny Mullen I'm right, still okay. talking about Danny Mullen alright fair enough well we'll see we'll see what kind of reaction he gets but I'm like Bear I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday because it does. I've enjoyed the Premier Sports Cup because they're competitive games and, and Dundee played well and it's, it's been interesting to see the team come together but the crowds haven't really been there. Um, the two sets of sports kind of put, uh, 
both yeah. ends. It's not quite the same. It feels like it's it's really starting now. I think on Saturday. I think sorry, just before you go, the last thing I felt as good about going into a season in terms of what we can expect. You know, hopefully we're going to get exciting games at Dens Park. I think when so. Paul Hartley took the team up to the Premier League and we had Hemmings and 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 Greg mm. Stewart and a few others in the team as well that could play. And there are the sort of people, damn it, when they were going forward, you, you felt yeah. you would get off your edge of your seat because you felt something was a way to happen. Mm-hmm. Too often well, what, what I touched on with United yeah. earlier about when they weren't playing well, but as soon as the ball went up yeah. to Hemmings and Stewart, you thought, hey, we can still win this game. But and could, there was a few you, games you, like that. You could feel the crowd as yeah. well. Everybody yeah. sort of going, you know, especially when Greg Stewart was on the ball because you, you knew he was about to produce a bit of magic and often he did, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's a few... There's a few players in the Dundee team that I think that will uh, really excite mm-hmm. fans this season, and you know hopefully they can go on and, and, and show that. I think in that respect, I think it helps also that there's quite a few academy products that, that are doing that. I mean, Josh Mulligan just runs past people for fun, uh, runs over people sometimes. It feels like uh, Lyle Cameron's been excellent. Um, coming off the bench this season, scoring a couple of goals. His, his goal against Forfar was was really nicely taken. And he's very confident as well. Max Anderson has been good as well. Really good pass for the the Nell McGinn goal. I, I don't know if anyone's seen that, but yeah. watched the back. I counted 18 passes before Dundee scored that goal. Wow. Which is, is Dundee. And they've also brought in Ben Williamson. Who, uh, wasn't, he can play. Wasn't, yeah. Yeah, he picked up a wee bit of knock. Uh, in the game last week he came off the bench but you can cover the ground as well yeah, yeah. so you're now starting to see a team that can move quickly yeah. as well as play and it's yeah I'm excited as I said already yeah. plus there's Lee Ashcroft still to come back he's been training Killian Sheridan's to come back he's been training Adam Legston's to come I back I prefer the soft Seamus <laughs> um, Adam Legston's back and he's been training as well although he may have trouble getting Harry Sharp out of the goals to be honest but Kid's done well yeah he has but it's good to see the long term injuries are starting to come back so interesting to see if when we might see Lashkov back on the pitch because obviously he, he was a huge player in the championship the last time around player of the year and him and Sweeney together or where the French says I don't know what you've thought of French so far yeah. he's he's Fast, yeah, he is very, very fast. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that, but he's not quite as rugged as Ashcroft. I've, I've mm. got to say, and he has got himself in a couple of difficult situations, but he has got himself out of them, Tom, just through his pace. Through his pace. Yeah. So, yeah, but he, he looks a decent acquisition. Yeah. Nah, I think it's been tidy. Yeah, can I, I just? Anyway, oh, you can just. Sorry, I was just going to chip in before you sign off, Tom, just to ask about Harry Sharp. Has he had a, a lot to do through this campaign that he's impressed, or has it just been his general, you know, demeanour and calmness? I'm always fascinated if a young goalkeeper is going to get mm-hmm. a proper run in a team because it is so rare. Uh, he's not been hugely busy, but it's been games where he's kind of he's had to keep his concentration mm-hmm. talk about that a lot with goalkeepers maybe there's not a lot happening but suddenly there's a shot and he has to deal with it he's made some really good saves actually there was one against Queen's Park Simon Murray it was deflected it was going in the corner he kept out Simon Murray traitor <laughs> um, I'll have a word with him <laughs> and there was one in one of the earlier games I can't remember he came out and spread himself and yeah. saved really well at Ends. I can't, can't remember which game it was. Um, it's just been very Good. calm 
and commanding really the overall. I think, I think the big test for Harry is when he makes a mistake. Yeah. When the fans, you know, fans are unforgiving. You, you, yeah. you played well in six games, and you make one mistake, and there will be a section of the support which will go on his case how he reacts to that. Yeah. He's and quite he a level-headed boy, so I think I you think know, he might handle that okay. I hope but so. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, you only know he, when it he's happens. He's made so. a very solid start, and every game that goes by gives him more and more confidence. He's not coming for for many crosses. No. He doesn't have to come for many crosses. I mean, you've got a guy like Sweeney standing in front of you, um, but that that will improve as well as you know he gets more games under his belt. But uh, no, he's looking solid. That's all I can say for mm-hmm. him at this point in time. Good stuff. Well, that's it for this week. Enjoy the big kickoff. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs> <laughs>